This is the story of the one. As head of maintenance at a concert hall, he knows the show must always go on. That's why he works behind the scenes, ensuring every light is working, the HVAC is humming, and his facility shines. With Granger's supplies and solutions for every challenge he faces, plus 24-7 customer support, his venue never misses a beat. Call quickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome to the Boneyard with Steve Robertson. As always, I am your good friend and host, Steve Robertson, here on the Maroon Friday edition of the Yard. Hope you're well today. Hope it's payday for you. Not much competes with payday. You know what I'm saying? I mean, it's like, you know, there's a lot of good days in your life. You have some great moments in life, and you think, you know what? This is a day I'll never forget. Chances are you do. But payday is something you always look forward to. Whether you need the money or not, you're always excited to have payday to be rewarded for your labor. So hope today is a payday for you. If you're a uh, weekly or bi-weekly wage earner, maybe today is the day. You get out and go do something fun. It is an open date. Hope you folks get a chance to uh, to enjoy some time with family. You know, you won't, most of you won't be in Starkville. Uh, you'll have a chance to kind of sit around and watch some college football. As, uh, as I've noted earlier in the week, we'll be on the road. In fact, uh, once we get the show up and published today, you're going to be hitting the road. It's the wife runs a... Uh, a 50K, I guess it is, or a 50-miler, I don't know. I think it's 50K. Yeah, it's 50K. But anyway, uh, she's done that several times, so uh, I've, I've told her I expect her to uh, to win. No, she won't win. That's all right. Proud of the effort nonetheless. But uh, again, I hope that you guys are taking advantage of the open date and, uh, and doing some things for yourself and for your family, just kind of getting out and enjoy life. Uh, most of you, you just be sitting around a, uh, on, on a couch or a recliner somewhere watching college football. Uh, so I won't be able to watch a lot of college football tomorrow, but uh, we'll keep up on it. And uh, I won't have any uh, content production yesterday personally, uh, tomorrow, excuse me, uh, on Gene's page. It's been a very busy week and uh, took advantage of the open week myself. We didn't have a lot of media opportunities this week. Uh, we just had the one opportunity to meet with Coach Zach Arnett and a handful of players on Wednesday. And uh, that content's uh, already been distributed for the most part over at Gene's page. And you can go read that for free. Go watch videos for free. But uh, we are going to talk about another article that I wrote uh, just yesterday. And I'll be honest with you, my mind is kind of mush right now after all this uh, research this week on these articles that we did. And you know, one of the things that I try to do is when our, when our subscribers and say, you know, hey, Steve, I'd be interested to know this. Well, that's kind of the gig, right? That's kind of my job. And uh, so I wrote some yesterday about uh, our Bulldog transfers. I'm going to give you some insight on that, Uh, my personal thoughts. I didn't offer many opinions uh, in the article. And, again, you can go read that for free at jeanspage.com. And basically I went through every single transfer that we've had since the opening of a transfer portal and put down, uh, you know, where they went, how they're doing. And I've got some very strong opinions about some of those players and some of the things that have happened. Uh, since they've left. So I'm going to offer that uh, on today's show. 
Also want to take a moment, uh, even though we're a day late, we're never a dollar short. Yesterday was National Farmers Day. And I understand that every day is national something. We've had National Donut Day. We've had National Daughters Day. I think we have National Daughters Day like five times a year. And that's good. You know, I, I got two girls I'm exceptionally proud of, but uh, in my mind, every day is National Daughters Day and Son's Day and Kids Day and uh, Spouse's Day and Wife's Day. And it's never National Husband's Day. I'll just go ahead and put that out there for you. It never is. Uh, but it is uh, National Grandparents Day and all that sort of stuff. But um, National Dog Day, you know, National, uh, you know, Split Toad Lemur Day, whatever. There's always something. But, um, it was National Farmers Day yesterday, and uh, I have uh, very much a soft spot in my heart and a tremendous amount of respect for our farming families. Uh, as I've shared many times on this show and in the writing that I've done, uh, my dad, Freddie Robertson, uh, grew up on a dairy farm on Augusta Road in Ellisville, Mississippi. He was one of 13 children. He slept uh, three to a bed in a full-size wrought iron bed that uh, is currently in my stepmother's home. He took it and had it uh, cleaned up and refurbished and still in our family. But uh, he and my Uncle Charles and my Uncle Paul slept together, and they got out and they worked the land. And in addition to that, they had, you know, had, to go, had to go to school and everything else, all the other responsibilities that go along with young people. And when my dad uh, finished up at Jones County Junior College, he went to Mississippi State, and he got a degree in agricultural economics and a minor in animal husbandry and he worked in the work study program at the dairy and even volunteered his time and drove the street sweeper at Mississippi State because he wanted Mississippi State to be a better place when our campus be beautiful he also wanted to make life easier for the Mississippi farmer and he went and got an, uh, his college degree because he wanted his children to have a better life than he had now I've spent some time on farms, spent some time on the family farm, uh, the Ponderosa, as Daddy used to call it. Um, but uh, it's kind of like my dad used to say, you know, a lot of people are involved in farming and other people are committed to farming. My dad used to say that when it came to farming, he was like the pig to breakfast. I guess, what do you mean? And he goes, well, you know, you've gotten out here and you've picked some corn and you've shelled some peas. And so you're kind of involved in farming. He goes, so you're like the chicken when it comes to breakfast. You're involved in farming the way chicken is involved in breakfast. The chicken can go lay an egg and help make breakfast. He goes, but the difference between me and you, son, is I'm, I'm, I'm like the pig. And I guess I don't understand what you mean. He said, when it comes to breakfast, the pig is totally committed. There's some truth in that. Uh, there are a lot of people today that are farming this great land of ours to ensure that we're fed and clothed and they don't get enough respect. Uh, I love our farming families. We are an agricultural school here at Mississippi State. There are a lot of things that we do for the advancement of farming, not just statewide or even nationally, but globally. And so for all of you out there riding a tractor, tilling a field, harvesting a crop, raising cattle. Thank you. We don't say it enough. And again, we'll have National uh, you know, Cat Day here in a few days, and everybody will flood their social media feed with their pictures of their cat, and that's all cute, and it's great. 
I don't know that anything is more important than showing appreciation for our farming families. I, I would equate our farming families almost, I mean, we're talking a fraction of a difference to our military families. I, I see both in such tremendous respect. I have both of them. I, I begin to think to myself, it's a life that I never wanted, but it's a job that had to be done. And the people that chose to do that life and to live that life and to do that job, they are worthy of our respect as a people and they deserve much better recognition. So I wanted to take a few minutes today, even though today is not National Farming Day. I guess I can decree that, right? If it, yes, yesterday was the National National Farming Day. Today is the Boneyard National Farming Day. And uh, we have a lot of farmers that listen to this show. And I hear from them. Every time that I have these little, uh, you know, these moments where I talk about farming, my, my inbox lights up and saying, hey, Steve, thanks. You know, thanks. You don't know me anything. Thank you. And thank you for the sacrifices that you make for our great land. And there is a struggle associated with farming that most people will never know. And when my dad graduated from Mississippi State, he went to work for Farmers Home Administration. And he worked for them for 33 years. And he did everything he possibly could to make life easier on the Mississippi farmer. He worked nonstop to ensure there was funding, to ensure that there was uh, you know, proper um, resources available for people to expand their farms and then sometimes just to get the crop in. That's what my dad did, and I'm awfully proud of that. I remember standing there the day that he retired and they had his big uh, retirement celebration and how people spoke so glowingly about my father and heard from so many farming families out there that said, you know, our, our lives would have been diminished if Freddie Robertson wasn't a part of it. And so, yeah, it makes me proud to know that that's my heritage. You know, I don't farm, you know. We're lucky to get the grass cut, to be honest with you. You know, we'll do a little weed eating every once in a while. But uh, we're not farmers. But that is my heritage, and I'm proud to be from a farming family. And uh, it's so interesting t talking to my oldest daughter. She asked me one day right before she graduated from Mississippi State with a degree in computer engineering. Audrey said, Daddy, am I the first engineer in our family? I was like, sweetheart, you're two generations removed from poverty. That's the reality of that. There are a lot of people that work in the farming community. I mean, everybody thinks about these big, robust farms, and they, think, they watch Yellowstone and see John Dutton, and they think, oh, yeah, they're running this big ranch. That's what, you know, farming should be glamorous. It's not. It's not. I think it's important to understand that. It's a necessary job. And again, thank you. For every farmer and every, everybody that's involved in farming, thank you for all you do. Whether you work at the co-op, whether you uh, work in a tractor sales or anything like that, anything that you do to help feed America, thank you for what you do. You do not get enough recognition and respect. Speaking of people feeding folks, how about Bulldog Burger Company? They're relying on uh, Mississippi farmers too. Uh, I love Bulldog Burger Company and uh, matter of fact, we'll be in there one day next week. Sometimes you just get a hankering that only Bulldog Burger Company can, can scratch for you. And that's kind of how it is. I've been thinking about those sweet heat chicken sliders. I've been thinking about that for a couple of days. And sometimes it comes to the point of obsession. You know, you start thinking about it. Next thing you know, it's like, I got I to gotta get in there. It becomes part of your deal, you know, where you, get, you start thinking, I need to plan this trip. What are three great locations that can serve you? You can plan your trip today. University Drive here in Stark Vegas, Gloucester Street there in Tupelo, Lake Harbor Drive in the Ridge and Flowood area, 
Have the spring rolls as your appetizer. They'll make you and everybody around you better looking. You can check the menu for reference there. It's true. It's true. And that's not a chicken and egg thing. That, that nomenclature, that phrase started on the show, made its way to the menu, right? Because you have to trust the science. Get that chocolate shake to go, or perhaps that bread pudding. You'll be glad you did. Bulldog Burger Company, the place for people to go to meet. M-E-A-T. All right, let's take a quick look at uh, this article that I was referencing. And um, if you go look at uh, jeanspage.com right now, I believe it is still the uh, most read article uh, for the last 24 hours. Um, you know, maybe, maybe a couple things have, uh, from the day have kind of pushed us down. But uh, it is a very lengthy piece. And uh, some days I bite off a little more than I can chew. You know, like I would love to be able to just kind of sit around some days and, uh, I don't know, just churn out, you know, 10, 5, 10-minute 10 interviews with recruits and players and just kind of run that stuff. And uh, it's, that's just kind of fast food stuff, right? But it's necessary for what we do. But uh, usually I, if, if that's the case, you know, line up a couple of big recruiting interviews and get a coach or a player, I can get that stuff done by noon. And it's kind of monitoring the message board. But this week, I've written three articles that have basically taken the balance of the day. I'll get up and do the uh, the easy stuff first and then work on this bigger stuff. And uh, it's kind of nice, too, to be able to kind of get a break, right, because you get on the hamster wheel, right, in, in our industry. It's like, okay, you got Zach Arnett's press conference on Monday, and you get all your players, and then you go back and get coordinators, and then you start distributing that stuff out, you know, over the course of the week. you got to script it out. We're going to do this. And then on the next thing you know, you got to preview the opponents and uh, do your game preview. And then next thing you know, we're doing all your keys to victory, all that fun stuff. Then you cover the game, and then you recap the game, and you start it all again. And in the middle of all that, you know, we're, we're picking up other stuff. There's baseball stuff. There's men's basketball stuff. Sometimes some women's basketball stuff, uh, in addition to recruiting. So it's nice to be able to kind of step out of the routine a little something and do something that, uh, that you find interesting. And the thing that Scott Kennedy told me years ago uh, when I first broke into this industry is he goes, you know, if you find it interesting and you've seen it all and done it all, there's a good chance your readers will find it interesting. And I have found that to be the case. There's sometimes something will get stuck in my mind. And I think, I just got to go do some research and see what's true and untrue about this. It's not like writing a recruiting article or making a recruiting prediction. Because sometimes you got great sources on that and sometimes you don't. But the data is the data. And uh, so, I, again, I, I wrote a piece earlier this week. We talked about it on Wednesday show about, you know, transfer rates among high school players. And uh, I have had many people reach out to me in our industry saying, you know what, I, I haven't seen it kind of spelled out like this. Kind of take me through your math a little bit. And uh, so we're able to do that. Been on a few radio shows and uh, I had some people reach out. And so it, it's fun to do work that even your peers find interesting. Uh, but I don't write it for them. I write it for you and I write it for our own knowledge. So after I wrote that piece about transfers, somebody said, Steve, it'd be interesting to know what about the outgoing traffic? Like what, what happened, right? I mean, were these guys all really losses? And the answer to that question is no, no. That's not to say that we wish any of them poorly. We don't. We wish everybody well that shared the path with us, even if it's just for a semester or a year or two years, whatever. You know, sometimes it, you only get a short time in life to play ball. And so if, if you're in a situation where it's like, okay, I've been here for three years, three and a half, maybe four years, counting the redshirt year, and I've got my college degree, and you know, I know I'm not going to be a pro player. I'd love to get on the field somewhere. It doesn't have to be an SEC school. I just want to get out there and play the game that I love and have a chance to play for one final year. And you can't begrudge somebody that, right? I mean, I, I, that's how I feel. 
it's a little different dynamic these days, you know, with NIL and one-time transfer exceptions and media eligibility, and we've created a bit of a Pandora's box in many respects. We have skewed too much in one direction here, and uh, there will be a correction. Greg Sankey, of course, is uh, working extensively behind the scenes, and as uh, our uh, our friend Ross Dellinger reported, uh, there's going to be some more congressional hearings that come up about NIL, and the uh, new director of the NCAA is going to be a witness. Uh, so we do expect there to be some guardrails put up sooner rather than later. But let's just take a look, you know, because uh, many of you have responded about this, and it's like, you know, hey, we had a bunch of recruiting misses, and, and that's true. In addition to that, too, we're not the only ones that miss. There are some players at times that miss, too, right? There are guys that come in here and maybe don't work as hard as they should, or maybe they get involved in something they shouldn't. We, don't, we haven't had a lot of bad actors over the years. Uh, I, I really go back to even you know, Dan Mullen. To give Dan Mullen a lot of credit, Dan had good culture. Don't know what happened in Florida. When he was here at Mississippi State, he had a lot of buy-in, and he, you didn't have a lot of off-the-field issues. You just didn't. Um, you know, Moorhead, we, we kind of we kind of went in the wrong direction for a little while there, and we did have some issues, and we got that corrected. I mean, Mike Leach maybe even had an overcorrection. But that led to some players leaving the program, and, and that doesn't always mean it's their decision. I think that's important to understand, too. A lot of people think, oh, well, we lost them. Well, a lot of times they lose us. It's important to understand, too. So let's go back and just kind of look here. You know, 19, we didn't have any transfers. And, um, uh, you know, Tyler Dunning, of course, uh, yeah, he was a questionable take in the first place because he was injured in high school. It's one of the reasons he and Miami didn't stick it out and came in here and never really got on track. Christian Roberson was a guy we really, really liked and thought he would be a great fit for us, and he didn't play much at all. And then elected to, to move on to Charlotte there uh, to end his career and uh, had a really good um, – you know, opportunity there, but uh, not much happening there. But I'll, I'll be honest with you. I thought Christian Roberson would have been more productive for us. Now, Keith Mixon, absolutely loved him. He was part of that big, uh, you know, big, big recruiting day, probably one of the biggest recruiting days in Mississippi State history. Uh, came to Big Dog Camp that year. That's that's when, uh, you know, uh, Leo Lewis decommits from Alabama, and State goes and gets like nine, ten commitments. Well, Keith Mixon was one of them. Keith showed up without an offer. He had an offer that needed to be validated by a good camp performance. Keith comes in here, had the big touchdown in that 17 win against LSU uh, that made the highlight reel, right? Uh, Farad Green with a big uh, block to free him there. But uh, Keith Mixon elected to move on. I think we probably could have managed that situation a little bit better under Joe Moorhead. I don't know what happened, how Keith got sideways with them. Um, but he left, and he goes to Western Michigan, has a really good year, 50 catches, 500 yards, and a couple touchdowns. We certainly could have used him as a return guy. If you remember, for some reason, Malik Deer, who I saw last night uh, covering the Holmes County Central game at Indy Noel Gentry, Keith Mixon – and Malik Deer were basically both kind of cast aside by the Joe Moorhead staff for one reason or another. I have no clue why, but those were two guys that were kind of explosive playmakers. And then when Joe and those guys get here, they just don't use them. And uh, that's two guys that were very protect, productive uh, in the Dan Mullen era. But for some reason or another, we decided not to use them. And uh, Malik stuck it out, give him a lot of credit. Um, and he's doing well. You know, offensive coordinator of an undefeated 8-0 team now, and it's going to be a real threat for a potential state championship this year. 
But Keith Mixon's another guy, too, one of the fastest guys on the team, and, and he was a little bit banged up. I, I get it, but uh, we didn't manage that well. Keith Mixon leaving is on us at Mississippi State. Now, it's no longer the same us that it was because Joe Moorhead's gone. But that staff did not handle those two players properly. All right, 2020, and uh, this is a year. Like, let's face it, friends, we live in uncertain times. Security, probably more important now than ever before. That's why it's important to keep you, your family, your property safe by working with my friends at Eufy. That's E-U-F-Y.com. Let me tell you a little bit about this new video smart lock they have. It's super cool because basically you get a three-in-one security system here. You can have everything on just one device instead of having it outside of your house look rather tacky because you got all kinds of stuff out there. It's not just about your security, but convenience. No more concerns about losing keys. You can assign passwords to your family members, and you can see who's kind of coming and going. you got that immigrated camera, too. Uh, it's easy to install. You can set it up with just a Phillips screwdriver. You know, you don't have to go to a class on how to use power tools. No drilling required. You get keyless entry. You don't have to worry about fumbling with the keys when you're getting back with a, an armful of groceries, right? How convenient is that? That in and of itself is a great benefit. You get fingerprint recognition. It's unlocking. And that AI self-learning chip. So the more you use it, the more accurate it's going to be. You don't have to worry about the battery. It's got a rechargeable battery that can last around four months. And you get a notification before it runs out so you don't have to compromise your family security. You got passcode unlocking, remote control, 2K clear sight camera. You can see who's at your door. You see these videos online all the time. Don't you think it's time for you to set something up so you can have the peace of mind of knowing that you don't have people constantly going in and out of your property? There's no monthly fee. Unlike other brands that charge you a monthly fee, you can have your recordings locally and never have to pay for storage. How cool is that? It's convenient. It's safe. It's a must-have for your home today. If you already have like a video doorbell, you know sometimes people want to come and steal your, your doorbell. You don't have to worry about with, that with this. All right, so let's be sure to visit Eufy Video Lock. That's E-U-F-Y official.com forward slash video lock. And it's time for you to gain control of your door. Again, that's Eufy. E-U-F-Y. All right, Bulldog fans, our friends from Tecovis want to remind you that uh, it's festival season, it's concert season, it's sundress season. Yes, it is. And you know you need some nice boots to go along with every bit of that. And Tecovis is your stop for the best in Western wear. Tecovis has seasonal and limited edition offerings this spring and summer, including men's and women's boots, apparel, hats, bags, and so much more. All Tecovis boots are made by hand in a very time-honored tradition with timeless styles that are always on trend. And Tecovis has first wear comforts. So no break-in period. You know how tough that can be with a brand new pair of boots. You can put these bad boys on and ride that ride with a smile. It's hard to find this level of comfort paired with the same level of style. So stop by your local Tecova store, have a complimentary beverage or two, shop the new styles, the smell of fresh leather, and a friendly staff are always at your service. Many stores even have leather custom branding to make your boots truly personalized. And with regular live music and events, there's no in-store experience quite like it. If you can't make it to a store, visit Tecovas, that's T-E-C-O-V-A-S.com. They offer free shipping on all boots, as well as free returns and exchanges shipped right to your door. Go to tecovas.com and find your new favorite pair of boots today. What's the easiest choice you can make? 
window instead of middle seat? Picking a vendor who sends a great gift basket? Outsourcing business tasks you hate? What about selling with Shopify? Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage? Shopify is there to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash try. Go to shopify.com slash try now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash try. We're going to go over some guys here that were... um a couple guys are kind of questionable takes here. Um, I know that everybody was all fired up about Devontae Jason. WAP, as we call him. I, I, I was not. I, I thought he was a good player. I didn't think he was a difference maker. And you said, but Steve, you said that in hindsight. No, I said it back then. Just nobody wanted to hear it. Because we like saying, who's WAP? Right? WAP, of course, uh, his grandmother named him Whopper when he was born because he was such a big child. So he's Whopper turned to Wop. That's the, the genesis of that nickname. Uh, but I always thought that Wop would be a good player here. I didn't think he'd be a difference maker like some other people did. Uh, he ultimately leaves and goes to uh, Nichols State. Yes. And uh, couldn't even start at Nichols State. Ends up with 23 catches and 279 yards and a touchdown in two seasons at Nichols State. Uh, Brevin Jones, offensive lineman Brevin Jones. I got a lot to say about this. Brevin Jones was a questionable take in the beginning out of Huffman High School. I would not have taken him because he was very limited position-wise. He was basically only going to be able to play center. And uh, if you watched his high school film, it was marginal. And I I began to think about if we're going to go take a marginal player, right, if you're going to go get a guy like that, then take a Mississippi kid because chances are he's not going to transfer. More times than not, not going to cause him trouble. Uh, Brevin Jones is one of those guys um, during COVID that was absolutely outraged about some social media stuff and uh, wanted to transfer. So obviously he's transferred. We did not oppose the immediate eligibility requirement because at that point, immediate eligibility, one-time transfer exception had not been passed. We didn't oppose it. And everybody acted like Mike Leach was just the big bad wolf here. Well, let's get the rest of the story here. So Brevin Jones goes to Illinois and plays two games. Ultimately leaves the program, goes to Jacksonville State, played in two games. Not listed as playing at all in 2022. And then he moves on to the University of West Georgia. So four schools in four years. Let that sink in for a second while I take a drink. Four schools, four years. I don't know. You do the math. Jerry and Jones, of course. Uh, Jerry and Jones and Fabian Lovett, of course, were at the, the middle of this whole tampering thing between uh, Ole Miss and State. Um, Ole Miss ultimately was put on uh, probation by the league. 
and prohibited from taking transfers. In fact, if you remember Malik Heath, when he got ready to transfer to Ole Miss, had to wait until after the spring semester in order to enroll at Ole Miss because of the fact this uh, sanctions for the tampering stuff. But uh, Jerry and, of course, you remember him, Martin Emerson, were called thing one and thing two. Martin Emerson's in the league. Jerry and Jones still playing these days. Um, and has played a lot at Florida State. Uh, part-time starter, part-time second-team guy. But he's played a lot. And uh, we certainly could have used him. I know some people were down on him. Uh, I, I still like Jerry and Jones, like his ability. Was he as good as Martin Emerson? Probably not. But I begin to think, what would Jerry and Jones look like today if he played for Darcel McBath his entire career? He'd probably be you know, in the league, I would suspect. Fabian Lovett, of course, still has a chance. Fabian could really help us right now when you begin to look at our, our depth issues on the defensive line. It would be great to have him. Keaton Thompson, of course. Uh, Keaton spent some time with the Detroit Lions. You know, Keaton uh, graduated from Mississippi State, transferred to Virginia with multiple years of eligibility left, and became kind of a slash Cordell Stewart type for them. Happy for Keith. Key is a great young man. Really happy for him. Now he's in the XFL with the Orlando Guardians. Uh, Stuart Reese left us. If you remember, that was the big thing, too. It was, it was bubbling up and he was going to leave on the Florida side. Now, I remember talking to um, uh, Mason Miller. And I'm like, hey, word out he's going to leave and go to Florida. He goes, well, he was at workouts today. And I said, well, maybe something's afoot. Uh, the next day we find out he is going to transfer and, uh, and go to Florida. And I think, you know, it's one of those things, too, you look at. We always talk about tampering and all that kind of stuff like that, you know, you don't think that somebody on that Mullen staff didn't make a call, Stuart Reese? You know, come on. Come on. Ends up being a two-year stay in Gainesville, and uh, Stuart got to play in some, big, some meaningful games uh, during his time there. Uh, back to that big uh, 2015 recruiting night, the, the uh, big dog camp legendary class. Corey Childs was part of that dude. We, we actually timed that commitment. He was already committed. We just had him release it right at the beginning of the big dog camp. Corey uh, worked some at receiver, worked some at DB, just never worked out. He ended up going to Western Illinois uh, and trying to play, never recorded any stats. Brandon Cunningham was a guy that uh, we thought an awful lot of. Uh, Marcus Johnson able to, to talk him out of a commitment to Miami. Uh, comes to Mississippi State and uh, got in trouble after – remember the video? You know, we kicked his you-know-what and his you-know-what, the video, after the Armed Forces Bowl. And uh, there was some disciplinary action that was instituted. He didn't agree with it, elected to lead the program. And um, I don't know that he's playing football anymore. And couldn't find any record of him moving on after Gulf Coast. But uh, listen, Brandon is a magnanimous – excuse me. Excuse me. Brandon is a very articulate and a very charismatic person, and I wish him the best in life. Uh, Cam Gardner left Mississippi State, went to Mississippi Valley, played as a tight end. Uh, didn't do much there. Dante Jones did the same thing. No real appreciable stats. James Jackson, you remember James Jackson, was uh, he play, would play offensive line for a week and then flip over and play defensive line for a week because we were so thin due to all the COVID stuff in 2020. James Jackson was like, I'll just do whatever, you know. Ended up going to South Alabama and uh, played and started seven games for them. And uh, another great young man, wish him the best. Uh, Trey Lawson's the guy that got kicked out of school at Florida State, went to uh, – Went to Gulf Coast, came here, and then ultimately was dismissed from our program too. Uh, Jalen Maiden, Nick Penley. You know, Maiden, of course, has had a, a big career out there at San Diego State, throwing for 3,100 yards. You know, wish him the best. Good guy. Nick Penley was a guy, and uh, maybe, you had, maybe you hadn't remembered him. Remember Nick Penley and Charles Cross were kind of billed as 
the bookends together, right? They were going to be part of that class. Nick Penley and Cross wanted to play together. They became friends. Penley comes in, gets flushed out of the program, processed out, almost immediately goes to Georgia Tech, and then end up in a medical hardship. And so we wish Nick and his family the best. His dad was absolutely amazing. Uh, did a lot. Did a lot uh, on those recruiting visit weekends to kind of talk to other parents. He was a great guy. Still is, I suspect. All right. Uh, Javante Payton, you know what happened there. He goes to Tennessee, has a really good game, good year. Keziah Pruitt, he's a guy that I thought could help us, to be honest with you. And uh, I knew that he wasn't like a surefire SEC guy, but I thought, you know what, he's at least like a Southern Miss guy. He could be a role player for us at the very least. I, and, I, and I liked him. I did. And I like anybody that comes from Knoxville. I've kind of got, you know, I have a real appreciation for the toughness factor. I mean, those kids produce tough. They're tough. The coaches there do a great job. Coach Schroeder, amazing job there. Um because I ended up going to Heinz for a couple of years, and now he's playing D2 football. That really surprises me. Uh, Devin Robinson was a guy that I, I thought was a questionable take from the beginning. Um, we had him in big dog camp. He was not impressive. And everybody's like, oh, yeah, well, he's not going to play in. We're going to bulk him up and move him inside. And he just couldn't make the transition. And uh, ultimately goes to Memphis uh, as a walk-on. I didn't know that until I did this research. I thought he just transferred to Memphis. He did transfer, but he went on his own dime. And now he's back with Jim Moorhead. Uh, with the Akron Zips and uh, playing as a reserve at Akron, just 11 tackles. Uh, let me skip down a little bit more here. Uh, you remember Javar Selman? I, I mentioned this yesterday. That was, that was the big thing that they hyped this up so much, right? When Javar Selman, who um, I liked him a lot too. He wasn't Emmanuel Forbes, but he's a more of a squat corner. I thought, you know, that Javoris would have – Javoris, even though he's a little bit banged up in high school, I really liked his game. Again, not the long, lean Darcel McBath corner, but with his foot speed, I thought he could be a real weapon for us and be a guy that could really play. I don't know if you move him to the slot or whatever, but um, but anyway, uh, he likes to transfer to uh, Jackson State. Everybody's like, oh, here it goes, here it goes, here it goes. He never played, never did anything significant there. And then on top of that, everybody's like, oh, that's what's going to happen. Everybody's going to be leaving you know, State and Ole Miss to go to Jackson State, and that just wasn't true. Uh, not that Deion didn't do a great job at JSU. He did. Uh, but this Javoris Selman thing was basically a public relations campaign. Remember Tyrell Shavers? Transferred in from Alabama. Had limited time at Alabama. Uh, had the big touchdown catch against LSU in state's uh, opening win in 2020 down on the bayou. He ends up going out to San Diego State. Has a decent career. And is now a practice squatter for the Buffalo Bills. So somebody finally got the talent out of him. Didn't really happen in Alabama. We couldn't get him to fly straight here at Mississippi State. and uh, But now he's in the NFL, so good luck to him. Garrett Schrader, you know his story well. Uh, Garrett has been, um, you know, a three-year starter at Syracuse. You know Jaquarius Bobby's story well, too. Uh, that's That issue appears to be dead. Uh, Jamari Stewart, remember him? He was a guy we really liked. He was a um, – uh, he was the guy that we signed late. He was actually a leech signee, kind of came in and we added him late. You know, even though the, the 2020 class, in many respect, was already uh, in the books. He got here and immediately had some trouble. He left, went to South Florida, and uh, never played there, and then went back into the portal. So he signed two scholarships with, with – um, with D1 programs, and never never made it, played a snap. Crazy. 
Uh, Kareem Witherspoon goes South Alabama. Kareem Walker goes to South Alabama and uh, works there now as a reserve. Lee Witherspoon's at UAB. Uh, some nominal success so far. Aaron Burle, remember him, left for Michigan State. He's in his second season for them and uh, has been a good player for them. Um, has and you know was a good player for us too. Just for some reason, it just didn't work out, and he elected to move on. I remember talking to him after the Egg Bowl that year. He goes, oh, yeah, I'm back next year. I'm back next year. And then two weeks later, he's in the portal. Armandus Cooley out of Wayne County liked this guy a lot. Matter of fact, I went and saw him play in person. I was very impressed with his motor. That has not translated on the college level. He's a little bit banged up when he got here um, at times, but uh, never any appreciable contribution. Goes down to Southern Miss. Uh, had about a dozen tackles, hadn't played this year. Remember London Craft, walk-on? Everybody was so excited about him. Tried to get him uh, a story, you know, what's the transfer destination. He was still figuring things out. He ends up going to Kentucky. Never played. And then uh, now he's at Eastern Michigan and uh, basically played as a reserve. And uh, all due respect to London Craft, but the fact that a guy's not as a, as a senior starting at a place like Eastern Michigan tells me we really didn't have any – business starting him as a safety in a Southeastern Conference. All due respect, not everybody's an SEC guy. And I, I commend the guy for coming in here and working as hard as he did. Uh, Kyle Cass is another one of those questionable takes out of Mississippi Delta. He's at Troy now uh, making some plays for them. Uh, Janari Dean ends up leaving football. I ran into him at Rick's here a while back, and uh, shooting some pool, he walked up and said, hey, you don't remember me? I said, yes, I do, Janari Dean. And uh, told me that yeah, he's given up football and uh, is working towards being a game warden. And uh, he said he's back and, you know, trying to get things, get his education. But uh, just felt football wasn't in the future for him. Uh, we'll skip around a little bit here. Remember Rodney Gross? I believe it was the LSU game. I think that's right. I think it was LSU. We were kind of climbing back into that thing. And uh, we'd gotten a stop and Rodney Gross gets called for leaping. Right? Remember that? Do you remember that play? LSU ends up getting a first down as a result of his penalty. They go down and score and basically put the game away. And you always say it never boils down to one play, and it didn't. But I don't know that Rodney Gross played a meaningful snap after that. He ends up leaving, going to Arizona State, gets flushed out there, and uh, spends, a couple year, spends a year at East Mississippi. Now he's at UTSA, Texas San Antonio. Uh, but, again, not doing much, you know. I liked Rodney Gross out of high school. He didn't wasn't a great fit for our scheme, but I thought you know, he was a very active tackler. Uh, I was okay with the take, but um, just not sure what happened on that play. But it's like you hate that one play defines a young man's career, but it's the case. Malik Heath, you know that story there. Malik uh, went through senior day at Mississippi State. It was understood he wasn't coming back. He has a car accident, and I suspect if he didn't have the car accident that Malik probably goes pro then. Well, instead he goes to Ole Miss for a year and uh, ends up going pro anyway. And uh, with the Packers now, not just a practice squad. I mean, he's been on the field. Uh, Jay Hampton was a late take for us when we missed on some corners out of Amory. Never really got a chance to play here, not playing much there until they're missed either. Uh, King Ani, I remember I had some reservations about this too when – Everybody was all on this King Ani thing and claiming all these offers, and you turned the tape on, and it just didn't match. It just didn't match. I mean, like, supposedly we beat Alabama and Ohio State for him just because we had a great relationship with him. I mean, life just doesn't work that way, unfortunately. But um, didn't do much here. I remember, like, his last fall, it looked like he was ready to go, and then nothing happened. 
And then I heard that uh, chances are he wouldn't be with the program kind of moving forward. He's moved on to Tulsa and uh, has two tackles to its credit. Uh, Trevon Marshall, again, a questionable take. I said it back then. He's just a bit of a tweener. A great kid. Don't get me wrong by any stretch of the imagination. He was a great kid. Uh, but he just did not have the mental rigor required to play interior defensive line in the Southeastern Conference. I wish he would have given it an opportunity somewhere else. I, I, I really do. Even if it's the D2 level or, you know, FCS, I really wish – because he is such a young man, uh, and he's had a very difficult life. And uh, my hope is he is getting his college degree somewhere and making something of himself. Uh, Teddy Knox, another guy that was, you know, we expected some big things from. Unlike WAP, I really thought Teddy was going to be a difference maker for us. He hadn't been a difference maker for us, and he's not been a difference maker for SMU. Guys, he's got four catches for three yards in two seasons at SMU. I don't know what's happened with Teddy because you look at his high school film, he's absolutely explosive. I don't get it. Ah, Jacoby Moore left. I mean, he was going to Ole Miss, then work out, ends up at East Mississippi. He'll be back in the talent pool soon. Calvin McMillian was a guy that was a questionable take. It's an offensive lineman out of Houston. Uh, some people close to the Houston football program told me he was a guy that's going to have to really grow up a little bit, but it appears he has, uh, having a pretty good year. They're at Holmes this year. Left state, went to Southern, ended up at Holmes. Um, Talked to uh, one of his former coaches and said, hey, you know, I think he's really, really kind of figured this thing out and has really embraced working hard. And we hope that's the case. Calvin's a fantastic young man. I really wish him the best. Aaron Odom, of course, left us, went to Southern Miss, didn't stay, ended up at Austin P, and played there largely as reserve. He was a guy, too. There was just so much hype about him coming out of high school. Uh, Tamar Rogers, uh, again, a marginal take. In the very, I think maybe we just kind of – Needed to go find some guys that could run around. Tomorrow was a little bit stiff, didn't have great foot speed. Just, again, a tweener all the way. Kind of had a safety build and linebacker speed and struggled to cover in space. Uh, he's at Middle Tennessee State now and uh, ha hasn't really done anything. Um, he he's been there for two years and has not recorded a tackle. Uh, Cameron Three, I, lo I love Cam. I, I do. And uh, I loved his game. I loved him as a person, and I was so excited. I remember when uh, Mississippi State offered him, when Joe offered him, Cam, to his own admission, just broke down in tears. And you want to you want to root for guys like that, but for, one, for some reason, it never came together for us uh, with him. He's now at Akron and uh, has played uh, largely as a reserve. He's still a younger guy. I guess some time here, but um, he hadn't done much. Been there for two seasons now, just hadn't done much. Uh, Quentin Torbor, this is a guy too. Everybody was hyping this kid up. Everybody was hyping this kid up. The film didn't match. I remember him coming to um, what we call Top Dog Camp, and uh, it's Big Dog Camp. We're not, it's not, we're not fancy like that. This isn't the Westminster Dog Show. There is no first in class. We are the big dogs with the big bark and the big bite. We're not top dogs. And even though we changed it back to Big Dog Camp this year, there were some people that insisted on calling it Top Dog Camp. It's Big Dog Camp. But Quentin came to Top Dog Camp and uh, was not as big as listed, nor was he as explosive as listed. And he and uh, you know Garrett Schrader, I guess, spent some time together. And um, yeah, he, he, I don't think he ever played a snap at Mississippi State. And I have to go back and you know, really dig in. And why would we do that? I mean, it doesn't really matter now. But uh, he's at Alabama. He announced he was going to Alabama State, and there's no record of him being there. Not sure what happened with him. But again, wish him the best. Appreciate his time at Mississippi State. Uh, the more recent transfers, 
And uh, we'll run through these pretty quick here. Uh, Jevin Banks goes to Kansas State. He has played as a reserve up there, made a couple tackles. Justin Brown didn't even make it through the semester at Mississippi State. He's redshirting at Georgia Tech this year. Reed buys. As a matter of fact, I heard from Reed's dad yesterday after I wrote this article. Um, Reed started uh, last week at left tackle. How about that for South Alabama? I have a tremendous amount of respect for Reed. Reed wanted to play at Mississippi State. Reed had the opportunity to go to some other schools out of high school, but he wanted to be a Bulldog. And Mason Miller said, hey, I'd love for you to go to JUCO for a year to get a little bit bigger and stronger, get more reps. Well, he did. And then we added him, right? We added him late. Reed comes in, plays largely as a reserve, worked extremely hard, transformed his body, and he played some. But he wasn't going to play as much as he wanted to. And so he goes, you know what, hey, it's, it's nobody's fault. I just want to get on the field. I want to go make some memories with my f- college football career. And so he goes to South Alabama now, and he's a regular player there. And so, again, some of these guys leave and then never pan out. But Reed, here's Reed contributing. And, yes, it's G5. But, hey, there are a lot of these other guys out here that had G5 talent that aren't even getting on the field. And so, again, I have a lot of respect for Reed and his family. They've been great to me. And uh, I, I'll always be a Reed Bias fan, to be honest with you. I mean, just a solid young man. So, any of you, um, any of you out there that's looking for, uh, you know, you're thinking about you know, getting your daughter married off or whatever, maybe, uh, maybe hit up Reed. Because you, you could do a whole lot worse than have a guy like Reed Bias in your family. Just a tremendous guy, man. Absolutely tremendous guy. And I'm really happy for him. Uh, Jackson Cannon, another guy that we liked a lot and uh, was here next to no time and uh, has made the move to Toledo and has seen the field one time. Gabe Cavazos was a guy that I really liked. I don't know how – I would watch Gabe play when he was like Cormorant, and uh, he just had a viciousness and meanness on the field about him that has not translated to the college level. I don't know what it's about. You remember when he – First time with Mississippi State, he got homesick. We had let him go home and do his classes online. Had no clue if he was coming back. He did come back, ultimately transfers. Uh, but Gabe has the ability, but for some reason, it just hasn't come together. Uh, Adavian Collins is a guy we really liked a lot. He ended up transferring to Penn State. Um, I'll, I'll tell you this, in camp, he, he was not as good as we expected. Now, I know that goes against the narrative of some, but I know what I saw. And I know that uh, what our coaches said privately, you know, he was a guy that uh, needed probably a year or two to acclimate. And uh, that appears to be the case, even though he's moved on to Penn State, uh, he's played in two games and as a special teams guy. But he'll get there. He's got talent. He just needs to get a little bit bigger. Um, Marquez Dorch, uh, I, I'm a big fan of his. I, I'm really disappointed that he left. And, again, he's still young. He's out at Cal. Hadn't seen any action this year. Uh, I think Marquez Dorch, I don't think we've heard the last of him. Scooby Ford announced he was going to Appalachian State, but there's no record of him there. Daniel Greek is with Mason Miller at Tarleton State. He's played some as a reserve this year. William Hardrick, remember him? We took the uh, gray shirt candidate from Arkansas State. He's now in Miami, Ohio. Bull Hargrove, a guy that probably fits this scheme better than he ever did the air raid, um, has played as a reserve at Memphis this year. Janoris Hobson, really like him too. And uh, Janoris is at Northwest Mississippi, and I uh, hope he finds a great place. Dylan Johnson, you know our thoughts on Dylan. I love Dylan. I do. Wish him the best. 
He's uh, moved on to Washington and through six weeks, 41 carries for 240 yards and a pair of touchdowns. Dylan Lawrence, you think about our, our safety room right now and how much trouble we're having at safety. And Dylan Lawrence left as a grad transfer to go to Southern Miss. He's got 36 tackles and a sack this year for Southern Miss. And I, I, I don't care what you say. Well, Steve, it's Southern Miss. Yeah, okay. Have you seen our safeties play? You don't think we couldn't have a good quality G5 guy out there at least make some plays for us? Dylan Lawrence is a freak. It never came together for him here. He did play some. And every, every time he would – like, he would get into fall camp, he said, man, this kid's fixing to go. He's finally getting to go. It just happens to be somewhere else. And we could use him this year. Braden Locke, of course, went to Wisconsin. Wesley Miller from uh, Heritage High School down at South Al. Caden Pope is all the way out of New Mexico. Caden, you should have called me before you went. Uh, but out there in Albuquerque, and uh, he's got one catch, and it went 46 yards for a touchdown. I like Caden Pope. I really do. I, I think Caden Pope's going to be a player, and I wish he'd have stuck it out here. You know, Sally Robertson's story goes to Baylor, and everybody's like, oh, he's starting at Baylor. The numbers are terrible. He's less than 50% passing with one touchdown, four picks. That was the issue when he was here, is he was careless with the football. The decision-making process just wasn't good. Now, could Mike Leach and those guys have coached it out of him? Probably. But the fact that he's been on the field some this year, I mean, you look at him physically, and sometimes he throws an amazing football. But he just absolutely throws it in traffic sometimes. Uh, Lucas Tedder was a guy that we loved. Remember, he flipped from LSU to Mississippi State and uh, was really kind of a leader in the recruiting class. It was a guy that kind of met up with everybody and says, hey, you know, you need to be at the ballgame this weekend. You come in, let's, you know, uh, let's all work together in our group text to get this kid to commit. Lucas was a real leader for us. And uh, I think this basically boils down to Mason Miller. You know, I think Mason leaving, uh, Lucas was extremely tight with Mason, and, and uh, he moved out to South Alabama, of course, uh, from Loosedale, Mississippi. And uh, I think a lot of Lucas, and uh, wish him the best, but he hadn't seen any action this year. Rara Thomas, of course. Uh, is that Georgia? You, you, the way our fans talk, you'd think he's a Boletnikov finalist, but it's 14 catches for 230 yards and a touchdown so far this year. But, uh, yeah, th- here's a couple things that I've learned this week that uh, I want to address, not just about Mississippi State, but about the transfer deal. And, and I know that some people will disagree, and that is perfectly okay. We do not have to be mutually aligned in every aspect of college athletics for us to remain friends. So I'm going to say something that may upset you, but I'm still going to love you, okay? And I hope that you still love me. I'm just going to say it for what it is, all right? I want to talk about the curious trail of Joey Gatewood. Do you know Joey Gatewood? Do you? Do you? Remember, Dan Mullen recruited him uh, as a quarterback out of Alabama. You may recall. Excuse me. He was at Bartram Trail out of Jacksonville, Florida. My mistake. But he was the guy that uh, we pursued. And we thought, okay, well, we'll take a swing at him. Have you kept up with Joey Gatewood at all? I suspect you haven't. I mean, I'm in the industry, and I kind of lost track of him too. It is amazing. It is amazing to think that Joey Gatewood now Signs with Auburn, not to be totally surprised there, and um, plays marginally, I guess, in 19. He put seven games and, um, you know, played some at quarterback, threw, threw some touchdowns. You thought, okay, well, okay, cool. Well, then he transfers to Kentucky. 
and uh, play some quarterback there. They thought he was going to be the guy. Turns out that he wasn't the guy. Of course, that's the COVID year. And it's mainly, uh, you know, it's kind of a rushing deal. You know, he's kind of the, uh, the give him a quarterback. Then he transfers to Central Florida to go play for Gus Malzahn. Played in 10 games, you know, worked some at the quarterback position. And then he moves on to Louisville. And he's at Louisville now as a wide receiver slash tight end. Guys, all due respect to Jay, Joey Gatewood, okay? And, again, this may upset some people. It's okay. I got nothing against Joey. I don't know Joey. I don't even know if I've ever interviewed Joey. But this is not what college athletics should be. Guys, four schools in four years? Are you kidding me? And you see the same thing with Brevin Jones. And these guys are not alone. There's not a lot of these guys, but there are enough that we could probably have a conversation about it. Four schools in four years. And so I don't know the history of Joey Gatewood, so I don't want to, I want to make sure that we understand here. This is not, what I'm about to say is not necessarily about him. But there are some guys that are maybe we're familiar with that this applies to. What does it say when a college football player who is playing as a privilege, it is not a right to play college football and have your education paid for. There's nothing anywhere in the Constitution, there's nothing anywhere, at least not yet, uh, in the law that says, hey, you have a right to play college football and they have to fit the bill for your education and give you all this free gear and you know help you build a brand. And then you can go do something stupid and then you can go to the next school. Now, I understand everybody, and of course, I made a lot of mistakes as a teenager. There are going to be some people, nobody has the corner of the market on kids doing stupid stuff. Nobody. But all of a sudden, we do something stupid, and then we're going to go somewhere else. Okay, you use your one-time transfer exception. And it happens again, and again, and again, and they're allowed to continue to transfer and continue to get free education. So we talk about it being a privilege. You know, there's the other side of the connotation of the word privilege going on here too. Do you think your student would be able to do that? But because of the fact that somebody can be a backup player somewhere, we're enabling negative behavior. And we talk about you know, the transfer portal, oh, we should do unlimited transfers. Why? So we can continue to hide the indiscretions of the fact that we don't know how to manage young people? There's so much of that that's, you know, and again, maybe you see that I'm off base here. I think it's absolutely ridiculous that somebody can go to four schools in four years. And again, I don't know all the details about Joey Gatewood. I mean, Brevin Jones, same thing. I know some of the details about that. There's got to be something here. There's got to be some type of legislation here. We've got to bring some order to this. I'm absolutely in favor of the one-time transfer exception, period. And you know what? After you've 
exercise your one-time transfer exception, if you get your college degree, I think, hey, transfer freely. That's why I think Jaquarius Spivey should be able to play. I think once you get your college degree, which was the first initial transfer thing, right, the grad transfer rule, go. But continuing to have these guys that go from one school to – I mean, it's like free agency. And some of you are in favor of that. I'm, I'm not. And it's so interesting, too, that so many of the people that are in favor of free agency in football are not in favor of NIL as long as it, they're in favor of it as long as it doesn't require them to make a donation. You know, and so we can't have it both ways. And if you don't think there are some people out there always looking for the payday and you say, oh, Steve, good, let them have it. Okay, cool, fine. I just don't think that's what college athletics should be. I don't think that you should be able to go out there and buy a championship of any kind. I just don't think it's right. I think it's important for the NCAA. Like we got it before we can address this issue, we kind of got to get our hands on this NIL thing first. But when you go back and look at all these things that have happened, these multiple transfers, and it's like you, that again, Spivey's caught up in this whole you know two transfer type deal, and I get it. So it's clear they're trying to do something. I just think there's got to be some type of limit here, right? And again, you said Steve, you're just out of bounds. Maybe I am. But I don't think that a person should be able to continue to be a cancer as they move from program to program. In fact, in other locker rooms, right? And, and, and nowadays, we're so afraid to tell the truth because we're going to hurt somebody's feelings. Well, you know, he's you know, he, he said this about me, and it's defamatory. And we're going to get a lawsuit, and we're going to we're going to get a lawyer here, and we're going to file for this. And nobody wants to deal with it because people don't want to deal with the expense of having to defend themselves. So they just keep their mouth shut. I believe in accountability. Maybe I'm wrong. All right, time for today's top 10 list. It's always brought to you by CloseWithBlair.com. That's C-L-O-S-E with Blair, B-L-A-I-R.com. Blair now with Priority One Mortgage. But the number's the same. The website is the same. Nothing's changed in that regard. Just, hey, it's where who signs the checks these days. Uh, the quality of service remains. Give Blair a text or call today at 601-500-2344 for all your mortgage needs. Will you look to refinance a home or buy a home for the first time? There is no better place to look. 22 years of experience, top 1% close ratio in the country, back-to-back-to-back years. If you want somebody that's going to get you to the closing table, look no further than Blair Chandler. Visit him at Close the Blair. Let him know you heard about him on the boneyard. He's updating me all the time. Hey, we got on their boneyard application. We got on their boneyard loan approved and their boneyard closing. Your, your fellow listeners are taking advantage of this. You could entrust your mortgage just about anybody, but why would you look anywhere else than the experience and commitment to customer service that you're going to get from Blair Chandler? Again, at 601-500-2344. Now, I know today's list will probably melt the ears of the uh, tender Blair Chandler. You know, he is a bit of a jam band guy. And, uh, you know, I'm sure somewhere in the back of his old college card, there is a, you know, a copy of a CD of the Pet Shop Boys Greatest Hits. I mean, I, I get it. You know, uh, big Dave Matthews guy. You know, I don't think we hold that against him. But uh, today... We're finishing up our uh, ACDC series. You know, we did Bon Scott, top 10 Bon Scott songs on Wednesday. Today we're doing Brian Johnson. ACDC, one of the only bands that can really pull it off. 
right? I mean, let's just be honest about that. How many bands out there change singers and you kind of lose interest? But uh, you know, when Brian Johnson joined the band, they uh, released the classic album Back in Black. We could pretty much just rank those songs and call it a day, but we didn't. Uh, but Brian Johnson really kind of breathed new life into ACDC. And of course, the driving force behind the ACDC is Angus Young. ACDC, not a metal band. They're just a rock band in every aspect. And uh, even now with uh, Brian's advanced age and hearing issues and things like that, they're still producing great music and uh, still selling out arenas around the country. You know, Axl Rose uh, sat in for a while uh, when Guns N' Roses is on hiatus. But uh, So here we go, and I'll be honest with you, of the lists that we've done, we've done 300-plus lists, this is one of the ones that is the most difficult. Because there are so many classic songs from ACDC with Brian Johnson on vocals. So, again, kind of like our Bon Scott list, I'm not going to sit here and tell you if your list differs from mine, you're wrong. Because you could probably convince me. And it wouldn't take a lot of convincing. So let's get to it. Number 10. It's rock and roll ain't noise pollution. Love it, man. Absolutely love it. It's an anthemic song. Most of these are. Number 9. A little bit later in the catalog, great track called Hard as a Rock. No, it's not a cover of the Bullet Boys uh, uh, single from their debut album. It's ACDC doing their own thing. Number eight, off Blow Up Your Video, it's Heat Seeker. Love this one. Kind of an underappreciated classic within the catalog. Number seven, the title track from the great album Flick of the Switch. Could have gone a lot of different directions here, but there we go. Now, the top six, I think... We may all agree that these are the top six Brian Johnson ACDC songs. I mean, I may be wrong. I think we may disagree on the order, but I think we agree on the inclusion. Number six, it is Back in Black. Back in Black, no doubt about it. An incredible song. You hear it all the time. You know, we wore black uniforms for the first time in forever. You know, everybody took the field. We're playing Back in Black. It was great. Number five, a song that we used to play regularly at Davis Wade Stadium. I don't know that we play it that often anymore. We should. But it's Hell's Bells. You know, uh, we, we come out to Metallica's For Whom the Bell Tolls, which is great. But Hell's Bells and Mississippi State just kind of goes together. Number four, off Razor's Edge. And this has become some, a song that's synonymous with sports. It's Thunderstruck. Because you've been. Thunderstruck. And everybody knows it for that opening riff from Angus. It's just as soon as you hear it, you know exactly what you're listening to and who you're listening to. Number three, arguably my favorite ACDC song of all time. And uh, Brian Haydad and I have had conversations about this. I think Brian would probably vote with me that Shoot to Thrill is probably top to bottom the best ACDC song. You said, but Steve, why is it not number one? Well, it's because you've got some classic tracks out here that uh, I just would feel kind of silly pushing my personal preference over a couple songs that are you know, basically anthemic. And it's number two. It's You Shook Me All Night Long. Great track. Um, love that video, right? It's uh, Listen, I've always had a thing for blinds, man. And uh, it's one of those things, too. You look at uh, the You Shook Me All Night Long video, and you can see why. It was kind of ingrained in our youth. It's crazy. Great song, You Shook Me All Night Long. Number two. And number one, though, every time that you go to a great rock show, 
and like you're getting ready, you know, before the house lights go down and they're, they're allowing the crowd to kind of mill in and they begin to play some tunes over the PA to kind of get everybody in the mood. It seems like everywhere I go, they play this song and everybody sings along. It's for those about to rock. We salute you. And so to all of you that will enjoy our list today, we salute you for engaging in rock. Be sure and check it out. And again, thanks as always to Roy Samanti. Uh, Roy tweeted me at Jeff to tell me that he really wasn't that old. And uh, maybe he's not. I mean, he's a few years older than me. Uh, I think maybe chronologically he's, he is uh, not that much older than me. But um, I think when you look at the totality of the Roy Samanti experience, he is much older than me. And uh, I love Roy. Roy's my friend. He is. And so I can say these things. And Roy is your friend, too, because Roy, of his own volition, just contacted me one day as a fan of the show and said, you know what, man, I love the top 10 list. What if we put them together on Spotify? I'll do it for you. And he's never asked for anything other than my friendship. And uh, he does this as a service to the Boneyard listeners. And so uh, you can reward Roy by following him on Twitter at Dogmatic67. That's D-A-W-G-M-A-T-I-C-6-7. You can find his great list under that same handle on Spotify. Uh, very appreciative of Roy. Happy to have gotten to know he and uh, Missy and Elsa and the whole clan. You know, just great, great people. And uh, I thought that I saw one of Roy's relatives when I was out in San Diego. And uh, he was a little offended by that. But uh, anyway, it's a joke among friends. But all that said, uh, the top 10 list has been a big part of what we've done now for, uh, you know, since COVID. And uh, we were looking for content filler. And next thing you know, people are like, let's keep doing it. We've done everything, too. It's kind of gravitated more towards music. At one time, I've done my favorite dinosaurs. Uh, we've done, the, I think we've done our favorite Smurfs. We should have got Mike Leach to do that. Who are your favorite Smurfs? Um, you know, favorite cartoons. We've done, we've done some of that stuff. Uh, we've done favorite players. I did one, one top 10 list. We actually did a top 13. It's actually a top dozen. We did my favorite former player from each SEC football team. We didn't include Mississippi State. We didn't include Ole Miss because I don't have any favorite players from Ole Miss. Uh, if I had to have a favorite player from Ole Miss, I probably would go with Mike Wallace because Mike Wallace had some great years with the Pittsburgh Steelers. Um, so there you go. But, uh, but, yeah, we've done a lot of different things. But by and large, it's been music. Occasionally, we'll do movies and things like that. One of the funniest ones I remember, and uh, it, it's interesting. This lady says uh, you know, she was a big Rob Lowe fan. When uh, and still is, but uh, when Rob was um, kind of a heartthrob, and uh, she said her husband listened to the show religiously, and she wanted me to do a top ten Rob Lowe movies just to kind of mess with him. What's interesting about that is uh, my bride, who uh, I love tremendously. Uh, she, I'm not the first person she ever dated. When she was uh, originally in college at Louisiana Tech, she dated a guy. And they got into an argument one day because they got, went to Blockbuster and uh, she picked a Rob Lowe movie. And there, I guess there had been a little bit of a stretch where she had picked Rob Lowe movies. And, and uh, he was very, very insecure and upset thinking she had something for Rob Lowe like she had ever had any interaction with Rob Lowe. It's the stupid things you fight about when you're uh, young and dating. But uh, nevertheless, he was in my chair and uh, I eventually found her and took possession of said chair. And uh, she can watch Rob Love movies as much as she wants to. I don't care. I'm not uh, offended or insecure about such things. So, so there you go. So if you've got an idea for the top ten list, reach out and let us know. Best way to do that is hit up Roy on Twitter. Uh, if you get it to me, I will do my best to get it to Roy as a marker. 
but I don't always get all my notifications, and I don't know why that is, but um, that's not a humble brag. But uh, your best bet, of course, is to get it to Roy, uh, Roy Samanti, of course, at Dogmatic67. All right, next segment of the show brought to you, as always, by Campus Bookmart, a Starkvillian institution. You guys know it well, right? If you don't, you should. Neatly positioned on the backside of campus, you come in off of uh, 82, turn at the highway, at the uh, state trooper station there, the Mississippi Highway Patrol Station. And thank, thank you guys for keeping us safe. We don't say that enough either. Keep going down on the left-hand side just before you get to campus. There's Campus Bookmart. Go in and uh, peruse their fine selections and outfits your family or your pet, your RV, your office, whatever you have with their fine wares. If you can't make it to town, visit them on the World Wide Web at campusbookmart.net. And by being a lawyer bond, your listener will give you a phrase that pays. That's BSR, which stands for Beautiful Steve Robertson. That gets you free shipping on all orders over 75 bucks. Any order less than 75 bones, absolutely incomplete. All right, let's look at the SEC here, right? We got to, we're not playing, but there's still games that are going to be played, and I know you're going to watch them. Uh, there are a couple specifically I know you're, you're, you're curious about. Uh, Georgia is at Vanderbilt. You're not probably going to watch that one, I would suspect. Uh, Georgia going to win this game handily. I don't think there's any question uh, about that. Georgia at Vanderbilt. I think Georgia covers with ease. Uh, Arkansas at Alabama. That's a game of interest for all of us, Arkansas and Alabama. Uh, Arkansas, of course, two and four, kind of a wounded team. I think they brought Rocket back probably a little quicker than they should have just because the season is on the line. I know the kid wants to play. Uh, the hope for Mississippi State is Alabama wins the game and it takes a physical toll against Arkansas. Not that you want anybody seriously injured, but uh, if they could tenderize them a little bit, that'd be good for us as we get ready to head up there next weekend uh, for 11 a.m. kick there at Razorback Stadium. Your uh, 2.30 game, there's actually two this week. Uh, there's the CBS game, and then paired up against that on the network at 2.30, uh, there will be another one. A&M and is at Tennessee. This is a game that is very, very interesting. I think a lot of people look at this and they think, man, it's going to be – we've got an off week and you don't realize what a good game this could be. I like Tennessee in the game, and uh, I just don't think A&M has enough offensively. But that defense of A&M's can match up on the back end. I think this is a very entertaining game. I like Tennessee in a close one. And again at 2.30, Florida at South Carolina. I think this has the potential to be a really good game too. Now, athletically, I would say Florida is the better team. I think most would probably agree with that. South Carolina is probably playing better. This is one of these that I've gone back and forth on. South Carolina at home. Florida has played terrible on the road. have been exceptional at home. Let's go with South Carolina in a close ball game here. Auburn's at LSU. I don't know what to think about LSU. Auburn has been so uh, pedestrian offensively, and a lot of that's related to personnel more so than scheme. Uh, I just know that Auburn has the horses to compete with LSU, but this LSU defense uh, has not been what they were billed to be. We knew the secondary was going to be somewhat shaky. Brian Kelly admitted as much earlier this year. I just don't know if Auburn has the weapons offensively to test that LSU secondary. I think this is a game that will be one line of scrimmages. And so I'm going to go with LSU because I think ideally they will be better up front on offense and defense. Uh, let's take LSU in a competitive ball game. And then Missouri's at Kentucky. Uh, Missouri's 5-1. and one. Uh, Kentucky, 5-1 and one as well. Again, could be a good ball game here. You know, what do you expect? Brady Cook, 
kind of quietly putting together a really good season. Everybody's really talking about him. He's just kind of flying under the radar. Uh, you could argue Missouri should have beat LSU last week. Now, how do they respond from their first loss of the year? And, again, they're going to Kentucky, That uh, a Kentucky team that I think in many respects is a bit of a fraud. And it seems like I say that every year. I, I didn't think Missouri was going to be as good as they have been. All that said, I think Kentucky gets this thing because it's at home. I think essentially it's a toss-up game. I think Kentucky is going to be able to do some things um, to kind of shorten this ball game and keep that Missouri offense off the field. And who thought we'd ever say that? I just think Lexington has proven to be such a tough place to play. And I think Kentucky will find a way to win a very competitive game. So outside of Georgia-Arkansas game, man, you really got some toss-ups. I think – once you get into the afternoon, I think I think Alabama beats Arkansas well. But A&M, Tennessee, Florida, South Carolina, Auburn, LSU, Missouri, Kentucky, all those games could go either way. A lot of parity in the league this year. But we're taking the home teams in all four of the toss-up games. Matter of fact, the only road victor this week, in my estimation, is Georgia. A lot can change. Uh, and it'll be an entertaining week. And it's one of those things, too, because we don't play this weekend, it kind of makes it more entertaining because you get caught up in the engagement of it all, right? It's like, hey, I can just enjoy college football for the sake of enjoying college football. I don't have a rooting interest in these games. I mean, Ole Miss doesn't play this week because you, you guys know our two favorite teams are Mississippi State and whoever plays Ole Miss. So our two favorite teams get a week off. So I'm sure you're going to tune in to watch Arkansas and Alabama. I'm sure Arkansas is going to just throw the kitchen sink at them. I mean, they're fighting for their lives, right? We all see it. And it's Arkansas schedule. Uh, you start working through this thing with Arkansas, and you begin to kind of realize, too, they're running out of opportunities. You, if you remember, initially I picked them to finish sixth in the West. And uh, they kind of have that look, don't they? You know, But so do we. You know, Auburn, I think, has exceeded expectations. But uh, in the end, I ended up picking Auburn last in the West because I thought Arkansas would win the game with Auburn. But Arkansas, this week, at Alabama, that seems like a loss. State goes to Arkansas next week, and I, we have a very good chance to win that football game. And then Arkansas will get their uh, open date, and then they'll go to Florida. And play in a swamp where Florida's undefeated this year. Then you get the Auburn Arkansas game, and then you get the FIU game, and then Missouri's at Arkansas. And you saw what happened last year with Missouri and Arkansas. And we forecasted it for a month. It was gonna happen, and it did. But you start looking down here and say the only sure win here is FIU. And you've currently got two wins. How does Arkansas get to six with road trips to Bryant Denny and the swamp? It's going to be tough. It's going to be tough. You're going to have to win every other game. And I just don't think they're capable of it. So what happens to Sam Pittman in Arkansas? I don't think. There's no way you fire Sam this year. I know some of their fans want that. I just don't think it makes any sense. But I get it. But outside of that, I mean, you start looking at this Auburn schedule too. I mean, again, Auburn, you know, rather pedestrian on offense. But you look up and they're three and two. But they're just kind of getting into the heart of SEC play. That, you know, you've already played UMass and Cal and Samford. And the only other non-conference game you got the rest of the way is New Mexico State. Okay, that's a dub. Can Auburn get to six? Well, I'm sure when they're lining up and looking at this, you know, they get the, they get the benefit of Vanderbilt. So that you think that gets them to five. 
So there's a better chance now, I suspect, of Auburn making a bowl game than there is Arkansas. I don't know that I would have said that. I think I picked everybody in the West to go to a bowl game, or at least go 6 and 6. And the fact that we're sitting here kind of figuring this thing out, just trying to count wins for ourselves, I mean, you begin to realize that it is a long season. And there's a lot that kind of emerges. But you look at the fact that, like, Peyton Thorne for Auburn has 643 yards passing. They're not a two-dimensional offense. And that's one of the reasons that I think they're going to struggle this week against LSU. They're just not going to be able to challenge that LSU secondary. Not to mention, at night, at Death Valley, I just have a hard time kind of wrapping my mind around that. But it uh, should be a very entertaining week of football. Hope you guys get a chance to watch a whole lot of that. Uh, as you go. All right, well, I want to share with you guys, too, uh, our relationship with International Auction LLC has ended. We, we will have somebody else in that spot kind of moving forward, but uh, heard from uh, the folks yesterday, they had a great day. They, they had a great day. I don't know how the numbers worked out. Don't know any of that stuff, but I'll tell you that um, uh, we're very happy. There's some Bulldogs involved in that deal, and um, you know, said, hey, listen, things worked out well. Just need a little time to go clear our heads here, but things went really good. And so thank all of you that participated in this. And we're so happy to bring that opportunity to you and give you an opportunity uh, to bid and purchase some amazing property here in Starkville. So congratulations to the winners and to the ones that didn't have the winning bids. Best of luck next time. Uh, but again, we will have somebody in this spot and uh, kind of moving forward, kind of connected to that and uh, give you an opportunity to, uh, to find somewhere great to stay when you come to town, uh, to Starkville. Cool things. We'll, we'll have details for you soon on that. Hopefully we'll start that uh, next week. Now, uh, early this morning, you may have seen it. If you haven't, uh, you can thank our Rion Young. He had the first story up on uh, the commitment of Camario Taylor. This is something that we have been expecting for a while. Uh, Camario is a guy that uh, spent some time on campus this summer. And uh, came to camp, was outstanding. He uh, obviously is uh, connected to Omar Connor. And I mentioned earlier in the show how much respect I have for all of these uh, Knoxville County players. There is a toughness with them that doesn't always exist in high school football. And so Kamario Taylor is an outstanding player and is going to be your quarterback for the 2025 class. That's one of those things you begin to kind of work through it and say, you know what, you want to get the quarterback early. Well, here you are. And I think, again, this staff needed something to feel very good about. I think everybody kind of sees it for what it is. We all kind of knew that, hey, we're kind of getting beat up at times on the recruiting aspect of things. I've written some articles this week that uh, have illustrated that we've had some misses at times. And so you needed to go get it right. You needed to get your quarterback for the 2025 class, and uh, much earlier than most programs get theirs. Usually you get them uh, in the spring after everybody's had a chance to kind of make the rounds a little bit and and, uh, and kind of figure it out. But, um, you know, Camario is your guy. Now, of course, we saw him in camp, really excited about his potential. Uh, I don't think he is evaluated properly by the networks, and uh, that is something that we will work on over the uh, – you know, over the next uh, several months. But Camario is a dude. You can go watch his film on Huddle, and I think you're going to be excited about that. I think when you go look at all that, you're going to realize that, you know what, hey, this is how things work. 
You got to go get the guy. And then you build a class around him. Uh, we've done that. And uh, I think it was pretty evident in camp this summer when we had a chance to watch him. I think it was one of those deals you look at and say, you know what, this guy is going to be a dude. He's going to be a guy. And now he is the guy that you look at and say, okay, we've got the centerpiece of the 2025 class. We absolutely do. And so where does it go from here, right? Where, where does it go from here? Well, I think there's going to be a really great in-state crop for next year. And I think getting a highly recognized quarterback from within the state will help tremendously when Mississippi State gets ready to put this class together. Because this is the guy that's going to be on social media. This is the guy that's going to be in the group text. This is going to be the guy that is trying to get everybody to campus. You know, hey, we got a big event this week. We got the cookout. We got a ball game. We got a junior day. We need everybody to be there. That's an important aspect of every bit of this. I think everybody needs to fully appreciate how big this is. Not only is he a talented player, but he is a player that everybody else in the state of Mississippi knows. Those are the things when you begin to kind of shake this thing loose and you begin to think about what, you know, how you build a recruiting class is uh, you build one really from the quarterback out. You get a quarterback committed, and then he becomes kind of the drawing card, but also, too, he is the guy that uh, begins to kind of carry the, the weight for you. He's the guy that everybody kind of gravitates to. And when you get a leader like Kamario Taylor and a guy that is an accomplished quarterback on the next level, it, it lends itself to a real good situation here. And here we are committing on Friday the 13th. And uh, since committing, he's already picked up another offer from Vanderbilt. So we'll, uh, we'll add it to the profile page. But, uh, you know, he's got – a lot of options, and, uh, you know, Ole Miss has been on him, Southern Miss has been on him. It's been, uh, you know, primarily a deal where a lot of people have kind of jumped on the bandwagon here earlier. But the uh, first SEC offer, Mississippi State, I think a lot of people were kind of waiting to see, you know, what the, uh, what the junior film looked like. And uh, I, I've been told, you know, for some time now that uh, Kamario Taylor is the priority. I think this is a big, big development, not just for the class, but for the staff. I think it also shows a really nice endorsement of your staff and Kevin Barbet that you go out and get arguably the best quarterback in the city of Mississippi to go ahead and jump in the boat now, especially when so many of our fans are just kind of unsure. I think sometimes young people can lead the way in that respect. You know, when we talk to recruits these days, you're like, hey, yeah, I'm, I'm still solid. I'm ready to go. I believe in the staff. Got a great relationship with them. Uh, because they're not as emotionally fragile, I think, as some people think they are. And so not only are those guys holding firm, but now you're adding to it. Now you have two commitments for the 2025 class. Uh, again, Camario, I think, was kind of just given a default 85 rating. I think when it's all said and done, his, senior, his junior film is evaluated. Uh, he will be a high three-star, potentially a four-star type kid. Uh, I don't know how you watch his film and, and think that he's not going to be a star. I, I can't overstate – how big a development this is, though. When you think about the fact that we are committed to the state of Mississippi and uh, we are committed to uh, making sure that the homegrown talents get a chance to play in Starkville, Mississippi, to go get a guy that is so well-known. He'll be a Danny Dozen guy. 
probably win a state championship this year. You know, this is one of those guys you look at. Sometimes you watch film and you kind of got to talk yourself into it. There's a lot of guys out there you think, okay, well, these guys are going to be good players in time. And other times you watch them and say, hey, this is a no-brainer. This is one of those. This is a no-brainer. You turn the tape on and you look at it and say, hey, this is a guy that can make some cool things happen. This is a guy that we can build a class around. And so when you watch this film, go watch it for yourself. You know, don't, don't look at offer sheets. Don't look at uh, you know, what everybody else's opinion is. Go see for yourself. And if you can't see how dynamic and explosive this young man is, then uh, I would think you don't know an awful lot about football. So a great building block. And I suspect as you get into um, the Junior Day events, I don't expect a bunch of 2025 commitments uh, between now and the end of the year. Uh, of course, the two you've taken so far, A.J. Rice playing over at Madison Academy in, in Alabama, is uh, originally from Crawford, Mississippi. It's where his family's from. So a lot of family ties there. And then Camario just down the road in Knoxville County. And, again, the uh, younger cousin of Omar Connor. And so it kind of sets up really well for Mississippi State. So you have two, two commitments already uh, for the class that have roots in this area, which, again, those are guys that typically stick. More times than not, commitment stick. I know there's always some people out there that say, um, well, you know, it just goes to show you who you have to be. But more times than not, commitment stick. I think there is a better chance of a kid signing and transferring than there is decommitting. I haven't done the math on that, and please don't ask me to go run the numbers on that. Uh, but by and large, you, you've got some of that. I, I, I think there needs to be a database, and maybe there is somewhere where you track every nuance of recruiting. Right? How many guys transfer and ultimately go to the NFL? How many guys transfer and they go to a lower level? How many guys transfer up from a lower level to a higher level and then uh, have a big year? You know, I, I think it'd be interesting to somebody to do the math. And again, we're five years into this, and the portal turns five on Sunday. And uh, not that we're going to go buy a cake or throw a party or anything, uh, but usually when in-state kids commit, they stick. There are, of course, some nightmare stories out there where guys flip from Mississippi State to Ole Miss, and we typically don't go after their guys. And it's and a lot of it's because once you've gone through the recruiting process, because it's very rare that Ole Miss offers a kid in-state that we don't, and sometimes they just like the other guys better. I mean, everybody wants to attribute malfeasance and malice to all this stuff. But, you know, sometimes – and I think William Eccles is a good example. I think William Eccles is a guy, even though he's right down the road from Houston, Mississippi, I think he disliked the opportunities at Ole Miss better. Of course, he's got some relatives up there. And so that always factors into the equation as well. But uh, at the end of the day, no matter how hard you recruit somebody, I mean, it's just like the dating world, right? I mean, how many times did you go out there and you date somebody and you do all the things right? You're very attentive. You buy the flowers. You buy the gifts. You take her to all her favorite places. And then there's just not a connection. It doesn't mean that you were at fault. It doesn't mean she was at fault. Sometimes there's just not chemistry or cohesion. It's the same thing in recruiting. Recruiting is about building relationships. And the thing that Camario Taylor said in his interview with Rion Young, Rion with the, uh, the first report, uh, the first story, first interview, first public comments uh, from Camario since he uh, tweeted out his commitment, is that Mississippi State, he loved the way they were recruiting him. They made him feel important to them. They made him feel like a priority. And so in turn... He fell in love with Mississippi State. Now, he was already kind of trending this way before State even gave him an offer, right? I mean, it's not like it's a situation where he was completely unknown to us and vice versa. 
but you do a good job building relationships and making people feel important. And, and it's it's more than just recruits, big. You got to have a plan. It's like, okay, here's what we're going to do. Hey, you're a junior in high school. We got Chris Parson here. We think Chris is our future, right? So you're going to be a senior next year. Then Chris will probably be a starter, and we think Chris is probably, you know, the guy for the future. And then you come in, and then you're the next guy. And we play multiple quarterbacks, as we've shown, so we'll give you a chance to you know, get some playing time early in your career to prepare you to ultimately be the starter. And those are the things that have been communicated to him. You know, it's not a situation where it's like he's just like, well, I'm just picking Mississippi State because I love Mississippi State, which, in fact, he does. But there also is a plan for his career. There is a plan for his development. And you go ahead and get this guy in, and now all of a sudden, and not only is he recruiting for you, all of a sudden – He's beginning to spend time on your campus with your coaches, learning about his future, and the fact that he's 30 minutes down the road only makes that process that much easier. So huge development today on Maroon Friday. What a great start to Maroon Friday. And uh, just so happened we were in the middle of recording the show when the news breaks, uh, so we're able to kind of share our thoughts with you. But uh, I do think Kamario Taylor, absolutely identity dozen guy, and he will be a guy that will help people will gravitate to. Uh, if you're ever around the kid, uh, you'll kind of see there is some there's some charisma, some magnetism to him. You can see, especially on that football field, uh, guys want to win, so they want to be around winners. And it's not like an all due respect, right? We're not taking a quarterback from a struggling program. You're going and getting a quarterback from Knoxville County that is consistently a contender for state championships. Every year. Every year, everybody knows that the road to the state championship goes to Macon, Mississippi. Everybody knows this. And so this is a young man that has grown up with the expectation of winning. He has seen the players before him pattern how to work, how to develop. And so not only are you getting an extremely talented guy, you're getting a guy with a great pedigree on the prep level of excellence. That's a big part of this, too. I mean, you go back and look. What made Dak Prescott special? I mean, think about it. Even today, and listen, I know Dallas didn't have in the year many people hoped they'd have. But what made Dak special? Dak was special because he made everybody around him better. And Dak did not adopt this whole old narrative, well, Mississippi State shouldn't be able to compete with Alabama and LSU and Auburn and A&M. He just didn't believe it. Kamario Taylor is cut from that same cloth. This is a guy that expects to win. He's not going to be intimidated by playing Alabama. And, of course, he's got to have some maturing and some seasoning and things like that. I mean, that's just part of the deal, right? He's a, he's a high school junior. He's not ready to go out there and face Nick Saban today. But winners tend to keep winning. Yeah, you know, there are some times in life that even the greatest winners of all time are faced with some adversity. But you give me the guy that's used to winning, who expects to win, who has been coached to win over the guy that's been just kind of coached to go out there and do the best he can, I'm, I'm going to pick the winner every time. There's so many people out there that say, well, you know what, I did my best. Well, sometimes your best isn't good enough. So we got to go find players whose best is good enough. And that goes back to the article that we just referenced earlier. Many of these guys have transferred out of the program, and, and nothing against them personally, but a lot of these guys didn't come from winning backgrounds. A lot of these guys didn't know what it took. They didn't understand the sacrifice that's required to win on this level. 
I mean, you look at guys like Jake Mangum, and I, of course, I'm, I'm, I'm rattling off iconic players. Jake Mangum, obviously, you know, comes from a high-achieving family, goes to Jackson Prep, where they absolutely just dominated the whole time he was there. And so, Jake played in some big ball games his whole life, and it was never, hey, well, let's go get some ice cream. No. Jake was born and bred to be a winner and then was in winning cultures his entire time. So what happens is all of a sudden when he gets to Mississippi State, he's involved with a, a culture, obviously, that uh, is conducive to winning. But he's like, hey, this attracts me, but I want to improve upon it. And I'm not going to sit here and tell you Kamario Taylor is going to be Dak Prescott or he's going to be Jack Mangum, right? I mean, <laughs> nobody can be, right? But you give me the guy – that is going to show up on this campus and say, you know what, I've always won. I'm going to continue to win, and I'm going to do whatever it takes to motivate my teammates and work with my teammates and develop relationships to continue to win. And so this is a huge commitment, huge. And you're going to say, but Steve, I looked at his ranking, he's just a three-star. I don't care about that. That's going to change. But no matter what some you know talent evaluator sitting around in, in an office somewhere – by watching highlights says about a kid, there's just more to it than this. The film is the film, and it is electric. But when you begin to think about what this means for the totality of this class, it is extremely significant day. This is a Maroon Friday worth remembering. Yeah, for sure. All right, if you haven't done so, go to uh, winthebottomfalls.com. You can pre-order my newest book. It'll be out next month. We were hoping to have it out in October. It's going to be next month. And, and again, I still don't have the official release date. And I apologize for all that, but uh, it's kind of out of my hands. Um, but while you're there, you can get all my sports books, too. That's Flim Flam, Alpha Dogs, Stark Villains, uh, and Dogpile. Limited quantities on uh, Alpha Dogs and Stark Villains. matter of fact, we just had uh, somebody buy two cases of Villains and one uh, case of Alpha Dogs. Uh, so you're, you're down to the nitty-gritty. And uh, unless they find some somewhere else, you know, we uh, at times a bookstore will kind of, will, you know, we kind of have those relationships when uh, sometimes you borrow from, from Peter to, uh, to lend to Paul, right? Kind of how that works sometimes. But uh, So we hear sometimes, hey, I know you guys are short of Stark villains. We've got half a dozen here. And uh, we'll trade with them or buy them back or whatever. But uh, all that being said, pushing things, pushing things, pushing things, pushing things for sure. Uh, you can find Stark Villains gear at StarkVillains.com. And if you're not a member at JeansPage.com, the Mississippi State affiliate for 247 Sports, come be a part of that. Uh, you can get a month for a dollar right now or 30% off the annual subscription rate. And that's a nice deal for sure. And uh, we're going to give you unprecedented coverage of Mississippi State Athletics. And, uh, again, that's a good thing about you know some of the people I'm working with now. You know, it's like the uh, – they're doing so much, it kind of enables me to mo- focus a lot of my energy on some of these bigger type articles, these bigger picture articles, these research articles. When I've got time to do that, because I know I've got coverage on the site, uh, I think the quality of work improves. You know, again, I could sit around all day and uh, run through a couple of player features and recruiting interviews and just kind of call it a day. I like to write stuff that stimulates conversation, right? I mean, if I'm interested in it, again, I figure you guys will be too. Um, that includes 80s hair metal, but... Um, but you kind of get my point. I thought about that. Who, who has ever done this? Who has done the work to figure out what the SEC transfer rates are for high school players? And I don't think anybody ever has. Uh, so we did that. And I've had people that, are, again, have reached out and said, hey, this is fascinating. Let's, let's talk about it a little bit more. 
Uh, and then you look at, we get so bent out of shape by kids going to the transfer portal. And, you know, when we lose Rod Rod, it's a big loss. It is. Losing Aaron Brule, that was a big loss. It was. And Aaron Brule obviously didn't have the best of seasons before he left, and he, he missed a handful of sacks that were could have been game-changing plays. It's true. Uh, but we lament those losses. But, you know, th- there are some people that, that it's like we just want to have this incredible roller coaster experience at Mississippi State Sports where, you know, it's like we almost just love to hate the Bulldogs. And I, I, I can't stand it. But it's like, oh, we've lost six players. And then I go pull up two years later and you see that between those six players, they don't have a touchdown or a meaningful tackle between them. You know, sometimes it's not a loss. We wish the young people well. But, uh, you know, our vested interest in this is Mississippi State. And so I wrote that, number one, because I was curious, but also to kind of illustrate the point, and I think maybe that will curtail some of this conversation, that every time a guy hits a portal, it's not some big significant setback for Mississippi State. It's important to understand that. All right, I'm going to get out of here. And uh, we got to pack a bag, hit the road. And uh, as mentioned, I'm going to do my best to kind of unplug tomorrow. I'm hopeful that I can uh, pull up the Arkansas-Alabama game on my phone and maybe be able to watch that as I'm working an aid station as my wife uh, runs 50 kilometers. I might run the last one with her. She kind of jokes about that. I, I used to be a middle-distance runner too, but uh, she's a long-distance runner. But I may run the last loop with her just kind of uh, for moral support. But uh, we'll see how things go. We'll see how I feel. We'll see. Uh, but I'll be back with you guys on Monday. We'll recap the weekend, and uh, we'll look forward uh, to a game at the University of Arkansas. And, uh, again, enjoy your open date. Get some things done. Enjoy your family this week. But until next time, let's all live our lives in a way we make more friends than enemies and people can see a difference in the way we live. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.